I just I just wanted to feel like a human again. Let's just say that. Um, and yeah, I kind of missed it all because, like I said, at school I was I was um never at this stage. Um, and I, I wanted to be I wanted to be like that again. So for me, I needed I did some groundwork. I did I. It's not like as if I came within, but I actually literally started researching why I wasn't happy, and the common thing was my health, because I stopped looking after it, both mentally and physically. So yeah. Welcome to Scratch Your Own Itch Podcast, the show about the things we think about, but don't ever talk about. My name's Logan Tyler Nelson, and I'm your host. These conversations are about creating a life worth living. With a focus on sharing stories about battles in our heads, topics range from depression, addiction, self-doubt, past traumas, and everyday compulsive thinking. And my hope is that the show will just shed some light on anyone in the dark that feels like they're alone in their daily struggles. Please take note that this show is not meant to be a replacement for a professional diagnosis or professional therapy, I am not a counselor or a therapist. Hey guys, so I have Tof Evans with me today. Oh God, who is Tof Evans? Um, well, to some, he's known as that kid that ran a race down the slopes of Mount Everest, but most of the time he's called crazy rarely is he ever called by his actual name all for the right reasons though you know he is he is a firm believer of pushing the boundaries of what the human body and mind is capable of tof evans is constantly reinventing himself to promote just how truly so amazing someone can be the journey of tof has been pretty crazy though these past few years have not only shaped his character but his endurance career and literally saved his life for the ones that are screaming to get out of that deadly deep dark rabbit hole known as adversity well you're in good hands my dude tof is someone who knows this field exceptionally well with his fair share of destructive experiences tof will guide you in the right direction with his ups and downs so Brace your seats because you're about to embark in a wild ride. A true culmination of despair, mental health, struggles, hardship, endurance, and more importantly, resilience is not a foreign area for Tof. So, without further ado, I'd like to introduce you all to Tof Evans, also known as Christopher Evans, also known as Captain America himself. How you doing today, man? I'm good, man. Thank you for that intro. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. Though. Thank you so much. Oh, dude, you're so well. I mean, uh, I know your real the real name is uh, Christopher Evans, as I was looking up on your, but people call you Tof or Tofi. Um, yeah, Tof's been stuck with me for like the last ten years. It was mainly because at high school there was way too many Chris's. Um, and like Chris Evans is such a common name that. Uh, even yeah, even Captain America is called Chris Evans, and even when I go to do some like when we go to vote every year for whatever election, there's like four Chris Evanses. So it's funny because I mate just started calling me Tof because it's like a derivative from Tofa, so like Chris Tofa, and then from there mate. And in Australia, we like to uh, get lazy with our syllables, you could say. So like even Tofa became too much, so people just started calling me Tof, and I guess with a unique name comes with a unique story. So I like I probably respond better to Toaf than Chris, if anything, because um to me Chris Evans sounds boring. <laughs> um and it sounds like a <laughs> sounds like a lax adventure. So I guess Toaf um it comes it's a flavor, but uh, like don't feel obliged to call me. You can call me whatever you want, man. It's not a problem. Well, hey man, uh, in in your bio on your website, you even you even prove it that that you're called the nutcase and and uh, you know a, a crazy crazy kid more than your actual name. So hey, you know if you want, I can call you a a, a fucking nutcase every now and then. 
Oh yeah, by the way, guys, this show is explicit, I guess, or I'm not even gonna mark it. I'm just gonna put whatever. So um, <laughs> uh, just cause because of the subject matter, it's it's nothing that I don't think ten uh, year olds will be listening to. Yeah, um, and but uh, hey, dude, so. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'd like to kind of, um, I guess, uh, possibility hack and, and do a little reverse engineering of who Toph Evans is and how he became who he is. And I know that's a huge question. We could probably talk about that for the next hour. But really, um, I'd love to just kind of go down the rabbit hole of what you call adversity um, and uh, kind of go to that area, if you don't mind sharing with us about your experiences no man go for it let's let's go let's do this yeah so where um where does it all begin with uh i know that you had some suicidal thoughts and things were just kind of uh being stretched in two ways with anxiety and also depression and then there was this constant pull of um you know because anxiety you know makes you your your future just terrible because you're worrying about it all the time. And then depression makes you think about the past all the time because you're just sitting in that sort of, Oh, I could have, would have, should have. And, um, so yeah, what's your story with that? Yeah. I think you sum that up pretty well. Cause, um, you live in this dichotomy, um, of yeah, caring about everything and not caring about anything. And it's this mental tug of war just pulling you. So it's like being at school. And you're like at school camp or sports day, whatever the situation may be. And you're playing tug of war with two strong kids bigger than you. You're not going to win. And that's what it was like for me. And I, it happened about 2014, all my stuff. Um, I was always, like the thing was at school, I was totally fine. Like I was always that kid that was friends with everyone. Bit of a social butterfly. But um, I was traveling at the time. And... I actually came a bunch of a string of setbacks and it all just became too much. Like it was relationships intimately and through uh, normal friendships and stuff with business and with family. And there, there was, there was a quite a plethora of things and it was just the way I handled it. And looking back at it now, this, the situation's, like what actually came about doesn't actually seem that bad now that now that I'm a little bit more mentally stronger, but just how I dealt with it mentally. And it, I just stopped caring about myself. I just stopped looking after myself. I felt I had a state of worthlessness, a really strong state of worthlessness. And I got to a stage of what's the point anymore. And like, I'm very young and like, it's quite common for males. Uh, I work with some psych, um, with a psychologist on something, with a project that we're working on together, and it's very common for guys to be, well, actually, just teenagers in general, that when we um we're a little bit less risk averse and we just go straight into it because the uh, cortical regions of our brain where we make all the decisions are still developing. So we actually, as males, our brains don't fully develop to about twenty three to twenty six. So it kind of made, it could be part sense why for me, I was going through this stage of my life where this was when I was 22. Um, I'll be 26 in like a month. And yeah, that, that, that could be, that made total sense when she told me that as well as like how I handled it. And at the end of the day, like we all go through stress. So that's what got me out of it. Um, that we all go through adversity. And I realized that there's, I'm still so, I was still so, so young and I could really, I could really aspire for greatness. If, um, but it was like, it was almost like a flick of a switch for me. It just, the switch was like covered in cobwebs <laughs> and, uh, just, I couldn't find the switch for a, for a long time. Yeah. It, it kind of is like that, isn't it? Like that's the. That's a sort of, I think, um, definition, which after doing several interviews about depression and stuff, it's just, and, and also a lot of self-reflection on myself, uh, is that, um, it is so dusty. It's like being in spider webs. It's, 
you just can't find yourself out of it. And uh, sometimes the only way to find yourself out of it is by doing what you're kind of doing now, my friend, is uh, helping other people with their depressive thoughts and their suicidal thoughts. And um, I kind of want to go back, though, before we get into that, like, what was the first uh, sort of moment in your life where you found yourself really questioning and researching me, how to be I, happy um, again? It got to a point in my, my life, man, like I was living, like I felt like I was a rock star, like because that, like as in the, I had come to realization, like I thought these times only came to rock stars, um, only happened to rock stars. So I was going through hard drugs and alcohol I was going through. And th- these were like coping mechanisms to, to try and sort it out. And I was, uh, now and then I would party, but I was living, I was just, abu- like now I was getting to the point where I was just abusing my body. Um, I went through prescribed medication. I went through self-harm. I went through hard drugs and alcohol. And I even tried to OD. And that didn't, well, that obviously didn't successfully happen because we're having a conversation right now. And, um, I was I was seeing doctors around the world, and because I was traveling, that was the reason why. But for me, um, I like I'm never disparaging the whole prescribed medication thing because there are people that need it. But for me, I I didn't really need to be on it, and it probably made me worse. Um. So, f- I w- I was getting to a stage where I was like this uncontrollable car headed off for, heading for the edge of a cliff. And I needed to do something quickly or else um, it would be too late. And it felt like it was too late. And it, like metaphorically speaking, it was as if I was in a lead mine like 400 yards. I, I'll speak in Imperial because I know a little bit about Imperial. So like is, or else I'd say 400 meters and you'd be like, what, what, what's a meter? Um, so it's like I was 400 yards underground, but now I've like shot into the stratosphere. It's, it, completely a lot of it's just paradigm shifting for me now and a lot of it is a lot of physical work in the best way possible but where I was back then I had to I was sick and tired of feeling sick and tired I was sick of feeling worthless I was there there, there was so much I was sick of not feeling healthy anymore because I just stopped caring for myself I stopped looking it was i just i just wanted to feel like a human again let's just say that um and yeah i kind of missed it all cuz like i said at school i was i was um never at this stage um and I, I wanted to be i wanted to be like that again so for me i needed i did some groundwork i did i it's not like as if i came within but i actually literally started researching why i wasn't happy and the common thing was my health because I stopped looking after it both mentally and physically. So, yeah. So would you find out during your research of um, trying to, it's so odd that we live in a world nowadays where we actually have the ability to go on Google mm. and then type in how to be happy when like our, our craig brains are really good at, at keeping us alive, you know, keeping those fears around keeping those those stresses around to notify our brains that hey we're in trouble we need to alert alert we need to run away from this or we need to you know like get away from it so now we live in this age where exactly that like we can we can go okay we're not having a good life what's what's my problem and so what has been your journey with uh researching happiness yeah, um, go, going back to the the alertness and that—that's our survival brain going off, or also known as the primal or the reptilian or the crocodilian brain. Um, and like our brains are out to protect us. It, it's where our brains are built for survival. And there's an awesome book called um, "What Makes Our Brains Happy and Why We Should Do the Opposite." <laughs> it's hilarious, actually, the title. Um, like our brains are just out to. That's why, like, bad news sells because we always respond to negativity as opposed to positivity. We respond to it a little bit, um, has our attention a little bit better. That's 
that's why like if someone if like 10 people were to give you a compliment and one person were to give you an insult you'll always remember the insult and it's the same with bad reviews opposed with good reviews and i didn't know anything about this stuff i know it now because i got really curious with psychology after when i was starting to get a bit better because it got to a point in my life where i was curious to why we flip out and why we tick and why we get so upset over certain things um but going back to the other part of the question, when when I focused on my health, well, at first I actually didn't know what mental health was meant. I thought I was just messed up in the head. But because it's it's actually very prevalent, not only in the world but especially in Australia. So in Australia, we're um we're considered a lucky country, and we really are. We um a lot of people. I I see it now, and I used to be at this point, but now because of everything that's happened. I'm actually very appreciative of even all the losses I've had in life, um, especially those times three years ago, especially any losses I come about, like if any business deal were to go sour or if like something as little as a phone call, a really important phone call that I was expecting and it got cancelled, um, I don't take it to heart as much now. But I, so I didn't know what mental health was and I just, I did some research and you, you know, you said it on before on the internet, man. It can be quite overwhelming because there is so much content out there that either some parts contradict, or you don't know if it's an expert that's writing or it's just someone just blogging for the sake of blogging. And but I did come across a common trend, even in the world of uh, overwhelming content <laughs> through books, mainly through books and a few web links, but um. I focused on my physical health and what that did was what that like as as humans we're wired to be socially connected um through connection and story and I I I decided to make it my number one priority again not not like it wasn't beforehand like it 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 was always a priority but it was never number one priority now that it is, I can see how um, immensely value, valuable it is. And I, for me as a guy, health equals sport. Uh, like I love my sport. The thing is, I was hopeless at sport growing up, and I I hated running too. <laughs> but that's all I do. I I do a lot of ultra running, and not to sound like a Forrest Gump or anything. There's always purpose in what I do now. I I I thought I would. I thought health equals sport, so I'll go for a jog while I think about it. And then the penny dropped throughout the throughout the jog or at the end of the jog. And I thought, why not just take up running? And it's always good to apply a goal to something so you have something to work towards. Because in my opinion, there's a difference between working out and a difference between training. Like working out is the working sake for working out, but training is your you're preparing yourself for the task, whatever it may be. So I thought I'd train for a marathon, and then I did it. And when I was doing the marathon, it it was insane because not only, like, there's so many lessons to be learned when you sign up for something like that for the first time. Like, you you pay for it, and then you learn about loss aversion. Like, you have to do it, or else you're going to feel guilty that you didn't do it. So I'm like, I have to do it now. And you re- you're talking about reverse engineering. That's pretty much my life, like, I paid for the the event and then I just worked backwards. I was like, okay, I signed up for like I looked up like for a marathon um training calendar and then I stuck with it so I knew how much I had to train each time. But that that stuff's irrelevant. What I had to, what I when uh, when I was doing these event uh this marathon in particular, it was like it was like life. Like I'd be fine and then I'd be in a metaphorically I was in a ditch and I just had to push through mentally. And then when I crossed that finish line, I was incredibly happy. And I was like, that is so counterintuitive. But only because like the marathon, whoever created the business model for that, they're like, you know what? We could pay people to torture themselves, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. Um, and this is it. And then some guy goes, and then we could do half marathons and ultra marathons, but not to speak on business. Um, I'd, I was at a point where I thought, you know what, you use it or you lose it. This is the fittest and healthiest I'd been in a long time and probably the happiest I'd been in a long time too after that marathon, four months of training. And I thought, 
let's just keep going. And then, then I um, met up with my friend who I do all this endurance stuff I do with now. It's a crazy event. But as we kept going throughout the, the journey of last year, uh, sorry, as of last year and this year, what really made it come full circle is the amount of gratitude that we've applied to it. Because I'll tell you something now, man. If you if you do something for yourself personally, that's totally fine. There's, um, there's nothing against that. But you'll only impact yourself. But if you do something for a cause or for like a, a group of other people, then you can impact others. And that's a lot more fulfilling. And that's that's when I really, truly overcame it all. Like last year, I was pretty good. But my, when you get people that go, thank you for everything you're doing. And <laughs> you never, like I never expected any of that. Um, that it came around full circle for me. So I, like when I said we're, we're before, when we're wired socially for connection and story, um, when I was on this running journey, and I still am, you would, it's quite common. You'd meet a lot of people that are also on the same journey. And then when you start chatting to each other and that part's never easy at first to, just to talk and just to, like to open up is one thing, but just chatting and meeting other people that can be quite tough for people. I'm a little extra extroverted, so it's not, um, the hardest of tasks for me, but I, the thing is I would meet lots of other people in the community that are on the same path. So it's that sense of, I don't feel alone is kind of eradicated. And the depression starts to drop substantially because to me, like depression is a state of worthlessness. And when you feel other people that are also on the same journey, um, then it's like, okay, we're all in this together now. And it makes it more of a team effort as opposed to um, a solo project. And it's not even just running. Um, it could be any sort of fitness movement. It could be anything. And so my first thought is it's always great to join a fitness movement as long as you have a goal for it, like a purpose for it. Um, and you are you will meet other people. So that really makes it concrete. That's great, man. I, I really I agree with all that, uh, what you just said in the community. But I, I kind of want to dig a little deeper, if you don't mind. Let's go deeper. Let's so, go deep. no, so okay, deep. I'm a person who 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 really is like, okay, I, I want to feel better. I want to start getting out there more. I want to join a community. But let's face it. Why do you think people have this clear vision of this goal that they have, and they go for that goal, and you know, 14 hours into it, they start losing that motivation i'm just really curious on how someone does that um because i know i know i do it um because yep. the world is just so crazy so yeah why do you think someone really loses their way yeah totally i think it's because it doesn't align with them uh intrinsically for me i i'm very driven and i've got a lot of clarity on what i on life now um, it took me. It took me a while to figure this one out, but I. It all comes down to purpose. So, for example, like my end goal in life is how I want to be remembered at like my funeral, literally, because that is the end when we're dead. Um. So I. I always picture, hypothetically, I just picture millions of people show up to my form. My, my formula. My funeral. Sorry. Um. I just got a bit of tongue twister then, and. Whoever says speaks my eulogy is like Toph was known for great things, and this is what he was known for. And this is when I fill in the eulogy. And when I literally fill in the eulogy myself, obviously it's going to be a different version to whoever reads it. But um, it has to be something that I will be truly like aspiring to be to be remembered for. So it's usually like almost the first thing I can think of, or if I can't think of that, it's like what I want to do before I die. And at least I'm kind of on the right path. It might be, at least you're in the right, you're going towards the right direction. And then from there, I just reverse engineer. I'm like, okay, how do, how am I going to get to there? 
because I know the end. The end. It's like going into the car and knowing where to put the GPS in. Otherwise, we're just going to be driving for the sake of driving. And now I know where the end goal is, so we're going to work backwards. So it's like, okay, I can definitely fit a TED talk in there. I can definitely fit um a couple books in there, and I can. And for me, like for my greatest, my sorry, my my purpose is I want to be the greatest practical resilience thought leader. That's quite a bit to take in, that that string of words. But it's like to be a thought leader in resilience is one thing, but to really prove my point and to really hone on the skill, I push the limits for other people. So I'm like that war general that's in the the trough of sorrow with everyone. Like if if I'm doing something, if I'm teaching something to someone. I'll be in the troughs with you. And that's how I want to be remembered for. So it's that's why I do all these crazy um, endurance events. I guess we'll delve into that later on. But so when I'm when I take on a task, I, I use this it's called future uh, it's called regret factoring or future focus living. And I always think is what I'm gonna do is gonna help me get towards my purpose and if it will get me there, then I usually take it on. And then so usually when that that's that's my self-motivation. And motivation, I think, is kind of bullshit because it comes and goes. So motivation is when you light the flame, but you need discipline to keep fanning the fire or else it's just going to go. Because you, you get people that are so, like they may see like a Gary Vaynerchuk talk or they may see um, something that will inspire them and that's totally fine but you need to have the discipline to keep it going because it comes and goes that that's it's we you kind of habituate to the moment so you need to keep you got to keep doing it even if you don't want to it's like like even when the people aren't watching that that's when you really have to dig deep so like for example everyone looks at like like I'm a big guy like I love NBA and so everyone kind of looks at all those guys like overnight successes, especially the, the media, especially the news. But the thing is, you got like Kobe Bryant. He would have got up early hours every morning and focused on his jump shot, and that's it. And he was incredibly disciplined. And because of his discipline, even when he didn't want to, that's what got him to where he is now. That's what him got the accolades. That's what got him. That's what will get him the Hall of Fame status. He will be. Very like latest years down the track, you will be a Hall of Fame basketballer. So for me, I whenever I'm stuck in that, if I ever come across a setback during my journey on a certain task or a certain goal, and I just go, I just want to quit, and that happens a fair bit actually. But for me, what how I keep going, it's quite profound. I I just go back to my reason why. Why did I sign up for this thing? And for me, it's just because I want to leave an awesome legacy. And it's as selfish as it sounds, a lot of people can benefit from uh, learning how to get practical resilient. Um, because I'm not going to teach someone how to run 100 mile, but I will teach you how to be mentally unbreakable from all the lessons I've learned when, I've run, when I run these 100 miles, 100 mile ultramarathons. But it always comes back down to your reason why, in my opinion. So that it keeps you grounded. Now, like when I say that, it keeps you, it puts you back on Earth because our minds wander off into space. So that that's the reason why is is something massive. It's like your value, your value set. And sometimes we forget those values, and we always have to go back to. It's like as if we're going to take on a relatively big task that may scare us, and you write down the reason why you signed up for that. So when you come across training, you're halfway through the training and you go, I'm just over it, that you go back to, you look at the reason why you wrote that down, that you go back to that and that will help you recalibrate your mind and it'll kind of take you out of that worst case scenario because when you when you finish that task, it'll be incredibly gratifying. But where that's one thing, you kind of have to enjoy the process a little because the process is the majority of it. But the the feeling of finishing something like that is quite gratifying as well. Hopefully, does that answer that part? Or do you want to go deeper?
Hey guys, I really hope you're enjoying the conversation that I'm having so far with my guest today. I'd really like to offer you guys an opportunity. Well, more so, actually, an act of kindness. I would love if you guys took some time just to scroll down in the review section and write a review on what you think about the podcast and if it's affecting your life at all. If it is, that'd be awesome to just leave a review, and I would love to take my favorite review and send you a gift. Send you a gift out of kindness. Something that's going to scratch your own itch, of course. And if it does, well, maybe you can also support the show by sharing it with someone as well. So, with that being said, you guys are enough, and you matter. Back to the show. No, yeah, you you got it. Um for sure. I mean a lot of great stuff. Uh, I love the 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 last bit that you finished up with the process is uh, you got to you do have to love the process and and you were kind of talking about discipline and I I actually um I really try to not uh talk to myself about discipline because I'm going to only do things when I feel like doing them. And I think uh it, we kind of have to just realize like our our dopamine spikes and what gives us dopamine spikes like what makes us really happy and and makes us uh really like go for something that we really want to get into because i feel like that is the gerano for depression is to to sort of get into something that you really like doing um and so i want to ask you like what's your little dopamine spike other than running when you come across a tough situation or a fearful situation or something that's gonna something that stops you and you start to think and you may overthink it's fear versus trust that's what it comes down to it's fear versus trust and for me i've rewired my neural pathways so like fear is my best friend um too many too many of us in the world um live with fear have fear in autonomy mode and they're too scared to do something or they're their implicit memories are just riddled with anxiety because of something that's happened earlier in life, whatever it may be. And for me, I like to do something scary because when I come across a tough situation, I know I've got this in the bag. And that's like the narrative my brain is telling me. I've got this, bro. Like this, this as if it's telling myself, you've got this, bro, because you've done tougher things than this. Or especially all the adversity that I've gone through. That's what helps me get through. That's almost like a dopamine hit right there. When I'm doing these crazy, crazy um, endurance events, whether it's running or any sort of sport, I always think, was the depression and anxiety I went through, all the suicidal tendencies, all the, all the turmoil I went through going to be tougher than this event? Of course it was tougher. So that instantly puts me in the right mindset. That like is a paradigm shift in itself. Keeps me grounded. Um, but the thing is, with fifth doing something scary every day it's not when i say something scary you don't have to like go bungee jumping or anything like that you can if you want there's nothing wrong with that it's something to get my heart rate up and something that will that has me questioning and has my fight or flight going off so for example i'll have a cold shower every day and it's best to try and get it first thing in the morning because they're painful they suck so much and how i do anything it's when you build a new habit, especially in doing something scary, is you start small. You start really small. So you have that taste of victory. So I usually just have a, if I'm going to have a shower, I'll just have a warm shower or a hot shower first. Obviously, you got to wash my body. And then at the end, I'll just blast it on cold. And I'll only do it for like, when, I'm fir- when I first started, I just went for five seconds. Just to hit the, hit the spots on the shoulders, hit the spots on the back of the neck, get that taste of the coldness. And I've, I've done it. And it's like, okay, that wasn't even that bad. And that, that way that you can control the fear because it's very minimal. And then the next day you do it, focus on six seconds or five and a half seconds and just slowly build incrementally because um, I know you understand this, man, because we were talking about you were at the gym the other day and I saw one of your photos on Instagram and you got quite this ripped body. And to get where you are, you're building a foundation. And you didn't start with going like six days in the gym straight away, you would have started 
small, small. And now you probably can do six days. And it's the same thing with the cold showers. Like you, I could probably do three minutes straight if I really wanted to. And when you do something fearful that day, when you do it first thing in the morning, then it makes the rest of your day easy. Because you're like, oh, I've just done the toughest thing I could have done. And so that's what gets my dopamine going, man. Because with that book I mentioned before, What Makes Our Brains Happy and Why We Should Do the Opposite, one thing, the key takeaway I got from that book was habituation. So when we um, get used to things. And it talks about materialism. And I'm not a very materialist, materialistic person. Like, I, um, like mum and dad weren't that rich growing up. And so for me, that came natural that I just wasn't drawn to materialism. And what happens is when you just say you might drive like this little car, like a little Volkswagen Beetle, for example, and you, you, you're on the, you're at a set of lights and you see a really nice sedan. So you're like, Oh, I might save up to buy that. So you do. And then you get it and you, you're all happy. And he's like, this is nice. This is a nice car. I earned this. And then within like three weeks, you might be over it. And you, you might see like a Ferrari, per se. And you're like, you do, you follow that pattern. And you're like, oh, so you get the Ferrari. This is awesome. And then within however long, you'll habituate and you get used to it. And then you're like, oh, you see a Rolls and you're constantly chasing that. As opposed to adversity, when you, like a marathon, for example, when you put yourself through stress, and when you rise, when you can get out of the those setbacks, those mental blocks, or even the physical blocks in a in a marathon or any sort of event, you're so much more happy for it. Your dopamine lasts a lot longer. It's called purposeful suffering. One of my um, one of my heroes talks about this topic. Um, the guy that started uh Spartan Race, Joe Decina, he um talks about purposeful suffering, and it's true because like, if you ever get to travel, man. Make sure you do some um, third world countries or developing countries. Um, I remember I was in Brazil and there was this one, I got to check out the favelas, which are like the slums. And you have these, um, there was this one gentleman who's missing an arm and a leg. And he was just inviting people into his house and giving, offering food. And it's like, this guy has nothing. How is he so generous? It's because he knows what it's like to have nothing. And he doesn't want that. anyone to feel that. So he's incredibly... It's very like profound, and it seems kind of left field and counterintuitive. But for me, like, I kind of embrace the adversity now. I never like at first. If you asked me years ago, I would say it is the worst thing to ever endure. It's like I've spent too long of my life, man, trying to silence those thoughts in my head. I'll spend my entire life doing that. But I can use those thoughts to harness me, and then they become my best friends because they're my you're you're only as strong as your mind. So I'm not gonna be the fastest person but I'll outrun people if it's like a really long race. Um so for me I go back to your question, how do I get the dopamine spikes? It's I doing something scary, literally. So I'll I'll give you another example. Um when one of the events that we had to do this year was like a 50-mile stand-up paddleboard event for youth adversity. That was a messed-up event. <laughs> I can't believe we did that. But leading up to it, the board sponsors go um, to my mate and I, hey, boys, you can train with us if you want. Okay. And on their team, they have some of Australia's best paddleboarders. Everyone from they go to Japan and all over the world to win titles and championships to represent Australia. And they also have like just regular people on their team too that just want to get out and train. And I'm driving down to training and my first thought is, what the hell are they going to think of me? Like this is, I've never paddle boarded more than six mile and I've just signed up for a 50 miler. It's like, this is going to be hilarious. Like, but thinking I'm freaking out and I'm driving on the highway, my fight or flight's going off that I just want to turn the car, but I'm on the highway and I just want to go home and just go to sleep. But I realized that I just instantly ground myself with the sentence, what's the worst that can happen? And it kind of like, it teaches you about perspective and it go, and you think, oh, I don't have to get surgery or I don't have to go to war or anything today. I just, 
all I have to do is just stick out for training for an hour and it doesn't matter what they're going to think of me because we're all in this for certain reasons. Like some of them are training for these championships. Some of them are just wanting to get out. Some of them just, they just love paddleboarding. And I thought, if anything, like they probably might admire what I'm doing. But even if they were laughing at me, it doesn't matter because I'm doing this for a completely different reason. And like that was scary at first. And then uh, when I finished an hour of training, it wasn't even that bad because when we think negative, we think worst case scenario. It's our survival brain freaking out. Literally. It's like as if there's that invisible lion or tiger that's after us because when we're in the tribe thousands of years ago and we got ostracized, we are, uh, there's a lion or tiger literally after us. Now it's as if that would have happened today. We still feel like there's a lion or tiger after us. And, so when, after that day, I was, everything just came so easily because it was all downhill. It was all just, I don't have to, I don't have to stress because I've literally done the toughest thing I've done that day. Yeah. Does that, does that answer your question for that? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, see, dude, I'm a, I'm a person who works best at night. I'm a night owl for sure. And so I know that uh morning morning like workouts and stuff like that is not the hard work for me the hard work for me is is uh you know the writing and the um the deep self-reflection and working on stuff that is uh and so i try to i try to wake myself up with you know like stretching and 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 getting on the bike and walking <laughs> the treadmill and there is some good um like you're saying uh you take a cold shower i don't do that at all i don't know why anyone would want to do that um <laughs> i get that it wakes you up. i no i know there's a lot of health benefits i'm just kidding uh honestly it's a great idea i i actually i started to try to do that um just to, like you said built up a a little bit of a habit you know starting small and you can do anything, but you can't do everything. So amazing. I love that. Yep. I really, really love that. Um, last but not least, my friend. Yeah. So you've three minutes. Three minutes to record whatever you want. And this recording is going to go to your family, your friends, your loved ones. And it actually is going to reach the rest of the world. What? would you want the world to know in three minutes? With, with anything or with something specific? With whatever Tof Evans' mind wants to let the world. For me, you have to realize that whatever you endure in any sort of adversity, that um, it is the worst thing to endure at the time. And, we all actually go through this egocentric paradigm like that we're going through it worse than anyone else. Um, for me, I once I realize that, and once I realize that I'm not the only person that goes through like adversity in life, that it was so hopeful and it was so reassuring to hear. Like I was still like rock bottom, but I was like, oh, I'm not the only person, and that's why I thought, okay, I'm. I thought this only ever happened to rock stars, but it doesn't happen to not only like to celebrities or to high-profiled athletes, but it happens to everyday people. And when you start investing in yourself and investing in your health, then you see the progress. It it it's like any habit. It's you just got to work on this on the craft, and just you might have to sacrifice a few other things so you can start seeing some results and some progress. But the progress will come. And then out of nowhere, you got to make sure you give back. That's the one thing. Like the, what I said before, when you start dedicating causes greater for yourself, it teaches you about accountability. So you don't want to let the team down because you you you're you're someone else's responsibility per se. Um, you if you want to put that on, but when you practice it enough, you it's like self like altruism or selflessness. It's like an art. It's also like a habit. You can't expect something to happen, like a good something to break through straight away. But you keep practicing at it, and the return, the universal return, it'll reciprocate in ways you won't even, you couldn't even imagine. It'll give you 
like a hundredfold. And once once you realize that it teaches you about perspective and then you go around the path again. You go through the adversity because it's inevitable and it's like it's almost unavoidable the setbacks you'll come across. And then any setbacks, it puts you right in the it puts you back in the right mindset. Once you understand the practical resilience formula, the first time, when you go through it again, you have the emotional intelligence to understand, okay, it's very cyclic. It's like any sort of stock market crash. It's cyclic or it's usually corrections at first, but every eight to 10 years, it puts everyone through stressful times like GFC or Great Depression or any sort of, any sort of big crash. It gets people through and it, it's like oh, a really good example of practical resilience of the formula is Hurricane Harvey that just recently happened in Houston and as well as Louisiana and also all parts of Texas, that like you can't plan for a natural disaster. So it's a bit hard to really like grasp what's going on. It's hard to, yeah, you can have like, I guess like hurricane proof houses and that, but with the magnitude that that mother nature brought, it's um, a bit harder, but it did, did lose some lives and that was very unfortunate and a lot of houses and a lot of power was gone but what happened was it brought everyone together no one cared if you're black or white or no one cared what you look like everyone to just want to help everyone because you're almost in dire straits so everyone's went through the they're going through the adversity and it put them in the right mindset and then you'll you'll hear about the stories of for example there was a furniture store that they cleared they said everyone can use our beds while they wait i thought that was kind of cool and the people that just lost their houses would be so grateful for that because they realize that people do care so for me that's what i'm going to take that's that's what i'm going to share i might have been over a little over three minutes <laughs> yes you 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 definitely were but hey guys with tof deep thoughts comes deep giving and the guy gives deep so it's all good like dude thank you for that like all that some listeners might be like, oh, God, he was way over yeah. three minutes. And uh, guys, that's going to just make your anxiety worse is by worrying too much. So, um, oh, sorry about that. Uh, anyways, uh, so I really want to say thank you so much, Tof, for coming on. Guys, if, if you heard any of this stuff and it resonates with you, take um, a bit of of you know this amazing knowledge that Topher I uh, dropped on you today, and maybe you tweet about it or Instagram or put it on Facebook because if you feel like you got no value now you got some value just put it out in the ethos and when you put this quote out in the ethos like you're gonna start to abide by it like you know the quote you can do anything but you can't do everything like that's awesome just put that out there in the life and when you do that. You start believing it, and belief is the number one most profitable thing mm-hmm. when it comes to becoming you. And so, uh, if anyone wants to, though, you know, reach out to Tof because he's the man, and he's uh, the real life Captain America. Please, uh, where, Thank where you, can man. our that listeners find you? So humbling to hear. Um, so I'm all over social media. I'm all over Facebook, um, Instagram. I've got my site. I'm on even on Strava. <laughs> um, YouTube. Um, I'm not really as much on Snapchat these days because um, I feel like Instagram Stories is just doing just as great as Snapchat. Um, but I'm I'm everywhere and I'm under usually the the handle Toaf Evans or Toaf Evans depending what it is. Like LinkedIn's Toaf Evans, I think. But the rest of everything's Toaf Evans. And uh, like, if anyone wants to say hi or tell me their story or anything i'll be more than honored to hear it face the fear as tofa would say um thank you dude so much for coming on scratch your own itch i I hope i can have you on again maybe we can uh do uh some more storytelling with uh your 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 stories as far as what you've come up to to try out and and tried and failed because I know you're a person that likes to to really dig deep with with adversity, and so I think it just goes to show that hey, we all 
can go dig deep in adversity and we can either come out swinging with success or we can come out learning something new. But either way, I think it's a win-win situation. So uh, with that, though, again, I'd like to say thank you so much, Tove, for being on Scratch Your Own Itch. No, I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much for having me. All right, guys. Well, there you have it. Another episode of Scratch Your Own Itch with Toph Evans and myself, a.k.a. Christopher Evans, a.k.a. Captain America, a.k.a. Steve Rogers. All right. All kidding aside, that was an incredible episode. Really touching. I love Love his story and what he stands for. I wish we could get into more. Uh, He even had a story about running on a treadmill for 24 hours. This cat is just awesome. He stayed on the phone for me for like an extra like hour just talking about stuff that I was curious about. You know, scratch your own itch, right? Trying to just scratch that itch. And um, uh, so it it was great talking to him. And he really cleared up a lot of things that I had going on in my head and I just need to say thank you if he's listening to this uh, um, know that he's incredibly worthy to the world and and you guys are too so um, please reach out to me uh, leave a review if you guys got the time it's really really simple all you do is you go on your Android device or your iTunes store and scroll down and Simply leave a review, and my favorite review will be read off. And also, guys, if you want to catch every episode, just leave the subscribe button. That's easy. That's super easy. You don't even have to write anything. You just hit the subscribe button, and every time I come out with an episode, well, you get it. So without further ado, guys, don't ever forget, you matter and you're enough. <laughs> <laughs>